Welcome to the Widow's Walk with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you've experienced the loss of someone close to you, Dr. Connie and her guests will share guidance, love, and support to help keep you moving. Now, here is Dr. Connie. Welcome to the fourth episode of The Widow's Walk. I'm Dr. Connie Mariano. I'm your host, and I am one of the widows on The Widow's Walk. And I, this is probably my favorite podcast because I think we can help so many, so many people out there who are grieving, but I think in many ways it helps me personally. So we are continuing our journey from the we in which we've had husbands, partners, spouses, to the new me. In that case, it's me as a widow, me as a Nancy, as my guest today, who's a fellow widow, me as whoever recovering from that loss of of our loved one who has left us in this life. And it is a painful loss and sudden in many cases, in my case, my husband died suddenly in an accident July 1st. It's shocking. It's sad. It's life changing in so many ways of going through this from a couple Uh, together to yourself, all alone, by myself, what happens to us. So we all transition to the new me in our own timetable, in our own way. There is no have-to pattern. When somebody says, well, you have to do this, and it's about time you did this, I always tell them, hey, we each grieve in our own way, in our own manner. It's a very personal journey. So where are we now with me? You know, we are all in the beginning me, And then we're influenced with other people. We're parts of different groups, parts of families, and we marry. We have long-term relationships. And in my case, I was married for 29 years to my first husband, divorced, and then with John for 11 years, and then married for nine years, and then lost him suddenly almost four years ago this coming July. So the Connie that is broadcasting today is different from the Connie who woke up the morning of July 1st four years ago. That was that morning, that afternoon, that I joined the one million widows in that year who became widows. It's the club. I always tell women, it's the club that I never planned to join, but here we are. So it is a process of change, of metamorphosis, of rebirth. Nobody can do this for you. Nobody can grieve for you. You can't pay somebody to do this. You can try. You can't delegate. You can try to distract yourself, which I did early on. I was busy with activities, with work, of travel, but you can't run away from it. You can try to deny it, but you know what? Your grief catches up, and it's it's painful, and you never get over it. You get stronger. You get through it and you are changed forever. So the goal and the hope and the prayer is that when you get through this process, and as you go through it, that you are a better person from this, not bitter, but better. So I believe becoming a better person, a better me, is because there was a we in my life. And that was John, that he allowed me or enabled me to be the best me I could be. And in my journey after his passing, that if I can incorporate those parts of John that I loved and respected and make them adopt them to be the best parts of me as his survivor, as widow, then I would be a better person. So it's really to adopt and to adapt. The The widow's walk is, is lonely, it's painful, it's life-changing, as I'd mentioned. But 
what helps us grow and go on in this life is really, really our friends. And for me, it's been my widow friends. I call them the, the girls in the hood, the widowhood, right? It's my special group. So I have in studio today one of my fellow widow sisters, somebody who I never expected to meet. It's because I went and got my hair done one day. I was at uh, the salon and I was dyeing my blonde roots and my long-term hairstylist, Tony who's sort of a connector, introduced me to this beautiful woman, Nancy Pachuco. And so Nancy was in the other seat, and we were just talking about different things, and she introduced me as a fellow widow. So Nancy is a native New Yorker who moved to Arizona in 1982 to finish finish college at ASU, Arizona State. Her plan was really to finish it up here and then go home, back to New York. But then one fateful night in a bar in Tempe, she met a very cute Italian boy named Angelo. And he was also from New York. And there was an instant connection. And they were married five years later. They had two beautiful kids. And they created an amazing life together. They were married for 29 years. And then Angelo passed away on April 24, 2016. So Nancy is now entering her seventh year of of being a widow. She's, I don't know, there's, there are some times that we talk about you grieve and there's no timetable. It seems like yesterday, I'm sure. But Nancy, thanks for being on my show. Thank you for, ha- thank you for having me here, Colleen. You know, we talk about our love stories because every widow who grieves so much, and, and you're, I, you were a widow in waiting because you knew he was dying of his horrible disease at the time, but every widow has a love story. Can you sort of share briefly yours and Angela's about how you met? Yeah, so we did meet that night in uh, a bar in Tempe, and I was actually with my boyfriend at the time, and I wasn't looking for anything at all, and I was playing Ms. Pac-Man, and (laughs) this lovely Italian man started smiling at me, and we had... Uh, a nice connection. And he said, can I buy your boyfriend a drink? (laughs) No, he said, can I buy you a drink? And I said, no, because I'm here with my boyfriend. He said, I don't want to buy him a drink. I want to buy you one. And long story short, we we had a we had a beautiful, beautiful. And he became your husband. He did. He did. And so we we thought, uh, you know, how are we going to I thought, how am I going to settle down here in Arizona across the country from my Italian family? Um, But we but we did. We did. We, you made it happen. We did. We made it happen. And, and looking back, it was probably the best way to do it. We, we became, I think, closer and connected because we were on our own out here. You made it happen. And, you know, how old, and then you had two kids. How yes. old are your kids now? So now they're 33 and 31. And when Angelo died, they were, uh, my son was 26 and my daughter was 24. So they're out of the house, but still adults. But mm-hmm. so you didn't have to raise babies, but still, you know, long-term marriage, 29 years of marriage. Do you mind sharing how Angelo passed? No, I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind. So we were, we just finished putting our daughter through college. We were sitting at her college graduation in California. It was Father's Day, 2014. And Angelo said, I have a stomachache. And... It was that was okay. You had to have a stomach ache. He was a really, really healthy man. He played basketball at the Y every day. He went to the doctor. He there was not any concern at all until we got home. He went to the doctor. Doctor gave him Prilosec, sent him home, and then realized uh, that wasn't it. 
So it was a Tuesday, Connie, I just remember, and he was going to, he came back from the doctor and I walked into our kitchen and he had a look on his face that I had never seen before. And he said, it's really bad. And they uh, found a big mass and they think it's cancer. And I, I literally fell to my knees and I, in that moment, I knew my li- our lives would never be the same. It was a, such a rare cancer that it took about a month to figure out exactly what it was, maybe longer. And uh, though it was a terminal four cancer, it was a, it was a stage four cancer. We immediately went to Mayo and started the latest available chemo and and he started to feel better so so there was so much hope so even though we knew he was not going to live a long life there was still a lot of hope through all of the the chemo and the clinical trials that we were able to be part of that we kept going how old was he when he was diagnosed 55 he was young and it was it was a cholangiocarcinoma, yes. which is a very rare gallbladder cancer. Very, very rare. Very rare. So he had already. So in that moment, you knew your life had changed. In that moment, I I literally was on yeah. my knees and knew that everything. Every was widow going remembers when she gets. You see, you were you became then a widow in waiting. Yeah. You be, you knew. Yeah. You weren't going to grow really old together, no. and it it just hit you. So then you went to doctor's appointments and really took care, you took care of him, right? I did take care of him. I did take care of him. And, um, but he was so strong, Connie, like he was so strong and he worked up until the day he died and he was just, you know, he went through periods of acceptance and fighting. And it was this sort of dance that he did, um, for 17 months he died in 17 months. Mm-hmm. When the, when the, so you really at the end were taking, he was at home, you were taking care of him. It, it didn't happen that way. Um, we were approved for a clinical, at the, at the end, again, not really knowing it was the end, uh, we were approved for a clinical trial in Maryland. We flew to Maryland. When we got there, they said, we're sorry, we can't do anything. Mm-hmm. So that trip home was devastating and he would not accept it mm-hmm. and he said on it was a Thursday he said I'm going to go back into Mayo and have some more treatment and when we walked out of the door Thursday uh, he never came back home it he went was, to the hospital we went to the hospital and he died that Sunday morning at the hospital mm-hmm. in hospice yeah. did you did you know it was coming would, would you you just but you I, you know, no, I didn't know. He was so sick, though. Like, at that point, when I look back, I had to walk him out of the house. Mm-hmm. Like, he needed to be wheelchaired into the hospital. Mm-hmm. I think our brain does things to protect us. You're so hopeful that you wouldn't. way that maybe he's going to make it be okay. Yeah. Um, maybe there'll be some immune therapy that's going to just come along. He was so strong that... I mean, anyone that knew him uh, would. It, I think sometimes people are still shocked that it that, that somebody it that strong. And you were how old when he when you became a widow? Fifty four. 
you know, and that's young because mm-hmm. the average age for the young widows in this country is first time widows is 57. So you were young. And then when he passed, were you there at the hospital? Yeah, with I was, I was holding him. I so you, present. every widow remembers exactly mm-hmm. how and when. And so, and then what happens after that? He passes and. So it was a Sunday. Yeah. And the next morning, I woke up and it literally felt like he came to me and said, get yourself out of bed and get into my office because there were things that were not finished right. in his office. And I was not part of his business, right? but I did. And I got in there and there were some things that were way above my uh, knowledge but I had to sell that business in four days. I'm making a very long story short. But I had to um, find a buyer and sell the business in four days while my children were preparing for their dad's service. Who did you have helping you? So did I you had, have attorneys? Or? I have an attorney cousin in Florida who we were on the phone for 24 hours, like literally over, literally 24 hours to get it done. And uh, yeah, forever grateful to him. And um, it was a huge, huge, huge learning curve in every sense of the word because I I, I gained a a ridiculous amount of strength that week. And like, how how did I, how was was I able to do that? And also, though there was, you know, financial loss in that week, there was also, there was also financial, there was also gain in the sense that I saved something. Mm -hmm. So I think it started me on this path of, it depends on how we're going to choose to look at things in our life. And that was a devastating loss Mm -hmm. all the way around. But Mm -hmm. we get to, we get to wake up every day and, and, and choose how we're going to look at all of the loss in our life. You choose to act. I mean, you got the message. You got to go on. You know, when I got the word, when John died, I was, I was told it was sudden, boom, no survivors. And the first thing I did is I have to make some phone calls because there's, you know, people say the grieving part, but it's the to-do list. Isn't it, is it yes. overwhelming? Yes. Not only the, the death certificate, in my case, also the, the accident report, but then transporting a body, the mortuary, the notification mm-hmm. of friends, and then you become comforter in chief. And then you were the business, which mm-hmm. you sort of decided... Mm-hmm. You're the, you know, what do you do with the business? Did, was there a will? Was there a trust? Was there a stick? There's a huge amount. And a lot of couples, in the time that he, from the 17 months he, he had the cancer, mm-hmm. did you sit down and talk about his estate or yeah. the will? So you did. Yeah. You prepared. And, and that was all in good order. I mean, there was, there was, I was very fortunate. And um, he was a financial advisor. So we were. You were smart about Yes. So, so that he was knew. all in place. There, there was just, you know, some things that, you know, I think. At the end of your life, there's certain things, there's certain ways you want to spend your time on this earth. Mm -hmm. And looking back, I wish we had spoken about more things, but I think it was so valuable for each of us to just be in this, I don't know, this sense of gratitude that we were together. Mm -hmm. Your time. This is our time and how do we want to spend it? And especially with your grown children. Were you working at the time he died? I, I was. What I was did you working. do? I uh, have been a counselor for teenagers. So I've been counseling teenagers in like uh, an at-risk 
alternative. So you setting. had your work there. You had your, you know, were, were you involved in the business at all? No. He did his own thing. No. So you had to pick up something that you normally don't work at, which a lot of wives do. I have <laughs> widow patients who never wrote a check, had never written a check. And they have to figure now, how am I going to run a business? How am I going to sell a business, yeah. liquidate? Yeah. And then their widows, like, you know, if you have uh, stepchildren or other kids, or, you know, how, you know, how do you, you know, as the personal rep for the estate, what do you do? And there's, it's overwhelming. That's why you need a good estate attorney. That was our last guest was Mike Murphy from the law firm that, that handled by the John's will in the estate. Mm-hmm. And so you went through that. And then as you're doing, you know, being the widow... Uh, handling the business, doing the, all the events. How were your kids holding up? They were in their 20s, yeah. right? So, yeah, my kids were young adults, and, you know, they were really, really connected with their father. I'd say mm-hmm. my, my son and, and his dad were best friends, and my daughter uh, was just really, really connected with her dad, too. So it was, you know, as a mom, you watch your kids' the grief. sadness and yeah. their grief, and it's, it's, a, it's a lot. And so I, uh, I, lived, in, I lived in our home. We lived in our home for 25 years that we had raised the kids in. And they knew once he passed away that I had to get out of the house. So you knew. What did people tell you about changes? We were talking a little bit at lunch about it. Yeah. So um, everyone's like, oh, you know, the first year you don't, you know, don't do anything your first year. Yeah, don't make drastic sit, changes. Don't make big decisions. Well, I knew that that was not true for me. Um, and I knew I had to get out of the house. It was too painful to be in there. Yeah. So... Uh, I, I sold. I I got out actually and bought a home and remodeled a home and I needed to create my own space of what, safety. And what'd you do with his things? So it's that's so it's interesting. I, you know, my kids and I were trying to figure out what to keep and what not to keep, mm-hmm. and it was it was surprising to me that there was so little that we needed to keep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We kept some very valuable things to each of us, you know, guitars and, mm-hmm. um, but really the rest of it is stuff. Yeah. The you rest get rid of, of it is stuff. And we donated. Re- yeah. We just donated so, it. And got so rid what of did it. you keep that was special from Angelo? Well, his guitar and his mandolin are the most special. So thing. those are the, spe- how long did you wear your wedding ring? Well, I, I still wear it on my other hand. Th- so you still, <laughs> do you wear his ring? So I, I wear I do. I wear it. I have this this thing on my other hand. I just wear it all. So you switched together. over to the yeah, and I switched to you know. I took my engagement ring, I yeah, my diamond, and I put this this stone here is about it's being be- grounded and it's manifesting. Beautiful. So it's beautiful. I you, you know, know widows will vary. I took me about about eighteen months to remove my wedding and mm-hmm. engagement ring, and I put them away in the safe. But then for about three years, I wore his chain. That he died wearing, and I got it from the the police. I wore that I given to him on his birthday. It was a chain that had a little airplane on it, a tiny little replica of a t- you know symbol of an airplane, and I put his wedding band on that, and I wore it around my neck, and that was so painful to let go of it. Yeah. But I can hear him say, "I'm in your heart. You yeah. don't need stuff yeah. to prove." Did, did was he? Did you bury him or cremate? Would you? So it, I. He was cremated. I cremated him. And I, when you talk about one of the first horribly painful things mm. is that I went to the cremation place by myself to pick up his dear, ashes. And dear. I'm in the car yeah. by myself thinking, I mean, 
he's the person I want to be with to comfort me in this pain. Mm-hmm. And that, that takes a long time to work through. Like your person, when you're in such pain, is not there because you're in pain. Did you have that. a funeral or bath? Beautiful, a beautiful um, so service that was just, um, like I said, my kids put together with a church that we were going to at the time. And it was a beautiful, uh, beautiful service. When you go through the service and people try to comfort you, his friends, what what helped you? What did you like hearing from people? Mm. What was really comforting to you? I I think just how much he was loved. I mean, he was just so genuinely, genuinely loved by everybody. There, I mean, the people that were, you know, worked at the UPS store and then presidents of companies and everybody in between he touched all types he just of people. really did and he, he touched was everybody he was that guy so that larger than life yeah he was a genuinely beautiful human being you know it's it's almost like when you look back for for when i we did john's service at the mortuary and it was just a small group then we had the celebration of life and you know in his case he had an accident which they was a they had a um, medical examiner case because he died in his glider then they, the body came back, and they said, well, how do you want to transport the body? What do you want to do? I said, I want him home in a casket with the American flag, and I will ask them to cremate him later. And so the first time I saw him was, well, I didn't see the, the body, but it was in, in a casket, and it was surreal. It was like, are you really there? Are you really, really there? And then as you mentioned, going to get the remains, I call it angel dust. Mm-hmm. I call their remains angel dust to go pick it up from the mortuary, this beautiful urn. And I drove back to our, our house in Desert Mountain, and I strapped the urn into the back seat of the car, and it just felt like he was sitting with me. And the most bizarre thing, Nancy, as I was driving up the parkway to where we lived, there were like a bunch of birds that were following my car, because he's an aviator. And I just thought, it was like I had an escort, uh, oh. a, a flight a, a flight of planes, but there were birds that were following my car. It was very bizarre. <laughs> but, you know, um, so you, you, do you still have his urn? I know it's a... You know, I, I, I'll tell you, this is, it's, I guess it's kind of funny now. Um, so my husband was a financial advisor. I never did anything with finances because mm-hmm. I didn't want to, and he, he did. He was so. a money guy. So... I have a beautiful office in my new home, and I've had to obviously figure out a lot of stuff with my finances. Mm-hmm. So I keep him in that space oh, because that's where an I, eye on you. That's where I need. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do you talk to him? I do. I talk to my guy a lot. I mean, I really do. I moved him from my bedroom, which I thought was yeah. a, to yeah. my closet over my bras. I think he would enjoy that. Yeah, he so, like. <laughs> <laughs> you find where you're comfortable. You do. And so he's in there with with myself. And it's helped. I mean, you know, it's helped me. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I li- I'm not I'm not one to, like, go to a cemetery. I know I won't do that. For, yeah. And so yeah. it's just. I like nice. having him there. Yeah, I like it. It's you know, I scattered John in several places. <laughs> at, but I have the urn. It's quite interesting. Every day I say hi to him and good night to him. And, and I remember one time a few years ago I was talking to his urn. Usually I'm crying at his urn, and I can hear him say, you silly girl, I'm not in the vase. I'm in you, around you, beside you. Don't need to talk to the vase. (laughs) And it's it's just those things that come up. And, you know, 
but for you, he passed in 2016. It's seven years. Yes. What did you do on his angelversary, as we call it? Anything special? Um, did, are you on, on his anniversary this year mm-hmm. and this year. Yeah. Well, my son and I got together. So my son lives here in town and he and I got together. And, uh, so that was really nice. I just that was healing, that. wasn't it? Yep. It was it a healing, healing thing. And you just get to talk about a lot of, a lot of, you know, where we are right now in life. Because so seven, seven years, years is a long time. Was there a time that was the most difficult time or would you or the about um, every year gets a little bit easier or is it? I, I you know, I've heard this saying that, you know, it doesn't get easier, you get stronger. And Mm -hmm. I I do think that that is true. I think we just continue to get stronger. I think the first year, as many widows will say, was, you know, looking back, I think I kept very busy. Like you said, you had your work distraction and I was doing business and homes and new homes and remodel and work. And um, so that was really good and distracting. What I did that first year that I look back on is I sat in the bathtub every night. Like I just took a bath every night because I really didn't know what else to do. It was good for you. Like I was like, well, no, well, now what do I do? So yeah. I just sat in the bathtub. You every opened night it up. And, and uh, yeah. What do you, th- what do you miss the most about him? It, I mean, his presence and his essence and his energy and his love. Um, do you sense him at times? Often. You do. Mm-hmm. Does he come in your dreams? Um, sometimes in my dreams, yeah, sometimes in the middle of the night, sometimes I just, so there's certain things like certain songs, certain bumper stickers, Mm -hmm. there's certain Mm -hmm. things that I, I really do believe like, he's like, I am here with you. Mm -hmm. Like, I got this. I sometimes think he's high-fiving somebody up there. Like, yeah, she's got this. She knows I'm here. Yeah. You know, that just helps me. And, you know, I think. He's comforting you. And you have grandchildren, too. I do. I have five. That's amazing. It is amazing. You know, they never got to meet him, but I always think he sort of kissed them on their way down here. The first one one did meet him, yes. Oh, they did? did. Yeah, so the first first one, grandchild met him, and uh, yeah, I think he does kiss them on the way down here, for sure. I like that. So, you you know, for the last seven years, how'd you you get through it? So, um... I think there's many things that have helped me along the way. Um, uh, I can say that I I fell into a hot yoga practice Mm -hmm. about a year out and it was, it's been life changing for me and that led to a lot of meditation Mm -hmm. and uh, I would read so many things that I could possibly get my hands on and So I would say a lot of meditating and yoga and really taking care of myself, Connie, which I would say to widows if they were asking, I would say you really have to address your inside and your, well, I think if you address your inside, it will show on the outside. I think that's good. I'm going to, we're going to pause for, we're going to pause for a quick break. I want to come back because I'm going to explore more about taking care of yourself. But the part that, you know, we spent the first part going over but your life and the change. But the next thing is the new Nancy. Yes. You know, what does that look like? So stay tuned on The Widow's Walk with Nancy and Dr. Connie. We're going to talk about going from we to me and who is the new me when we get through this. So come back after the break.
Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Dr. Connie Mariano is a groundbreaker. She was the White House physician to three presidents, toured the world on Air Force One, and has had countless amazing experiences. The one thing that life didn't prepare her for was becoming a widow. After losing her beloved husband, John, in a tragic accident, Dr. Connie joined the one million women who were widowed in the United States each year. While her journey as a widow has been one of intense grief and sorrow, it has also been one of extraordinary growth and rebirth. Now, Dr. Connie is sharing what she's learned, joined by her knowledgeable guests to help anyone struggling with this deeply personal and often lonely journey of their own. Tune into The Widow's Walk, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Welcome back to The Widow's Walk. Remember to check out the show page on the Voice America website for more episodes. Now, back to Dr. Connie. Welcome back to The Widow's Walk with Dr. Connie and Nancy Pichuco, who is a widow of seven years now, and she was so kind and gracious to, to share her love story in the first segment of losing Angelo and then the rough parts of getting through that. But as we talk about this, the part that I want to focus upon in this segment is really the new Nancy. You were his wife for 29 years. You were his widow now for seven years. And I always believe you go from we to me. And the thing is, who is me now? I mean, as you go through your grief, did you feel that you've grown in many ways, Nancy? In every single way, Connie. I, I, in every single way, I've grown. How, what is the new Nancy like? So I had never lived alone and I had never had that experience. And I think for many of us who've lost this great love and loss, we, we see the value in you being a physician. You see the, I don't know, you see life in a different way. I, I started to, I think, have a different set of lenses the way I viewed life and the value of this beautiful gift of life that we get. And I wanted to progress like that. And Angelo buffered so many things in my life. He was like a buffer. He was like just a giant buffer of Protected fun and you. love. Yeah. Yes. And when he was gone, I didn't have that. So I had to really, I, I, I wanted to dig deep and I had a lot of pain that was even not part of Angelo. It was stuff yeah. that I had buried from long ago. Yeah. He insulated you. I needed to bring up and that was hard, but it was, it helped me know really who I am. Because I did want to know who I Did am. you get counseling, any bereavement counseling or formal yes. counseling to help you? So my first year, I had grief counseling, which if I could plug Hospice of the Valley, yes. because they provided uh, grief counseling for myself and my children for a year, and mm-hmm. that was 
wonderful. Even sometimes I just would go in and cry, but that was huge. I did, I did trauma therapy, EMDR. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I will tell you what's helped me move forward is, is having a coach and really looking at how I want to create this next phase of my life. You were good. You're smart. And we encourage widows and anybody grieving to, to find professional help, support groups. You can't, you can't do it alone. No, you can't. Everyone has somebody that you can help guide you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so in the journey of, um, of taking care of yourself, that's what we were talking about earlier. So my, um, I think between my meditation and my getting counseling and getting off the couch, Connie, that was really hard to do sometimes because I have a great big comfortable sectional mm -hmm. and it could be cozy in there, but I would make myself get up, go to meetup groups, go, I joined a you know, you just join things out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And you go sometimes and you go, oh, God, I hate I hate this. But I try Because you're by yourself. You're so used you're to being alone. a couple. You don't want to go to dinner by yourself, yes. right? It's lonely. Yeah. So there's so many things that you just, I have just made myself do to get out find, of your comfort First of zone. all, find out if I can do it, which I can. Yeah. And then you just never know who you're going to meet, what kind of doors are going to open up. And... You continue to do that. And I've, you know, I try to choose to, you know, welcome all these experiences, whether it's going, you know, out with new people or as, as learning, I'm learning something about myself, about life, about this day, about, uh, so you're more open, you're so stronger more open. compared to the Nancy who was married to an Angelo. Yes. You're I'm, stronger, more in, independent. You've done things that you've never done before. Never done. Well, Connie, I didn't Why? used to make left-hand turns. So who's ever going <laughs> to, my friends are going to laugh when they listen, because it's true. I wouldn't drive on the freeway. I didn't make left-hand turns. I mean, last summer I rented a beach house for myself for the month. I drove to California. Widows um, buy houses without her husbands. Yeah. They do so, things. They buy cars. They do things. But, there's it, nobody there for input. No. Nobody to bounce no, things off of. No, no, right? no, no. So that. No sounding board. No. So there's. At what point do you say, I'm, I'm sick and tired of being alone? At what point did you say, I think I want to meet people, yeah. date people? Well, you know, sure. A year after, um, a year after when I got into this hot yoga thing, I did, you know, I did connect with somebody through that community. And that was wonderful and huge. Uh, learning, learning curve because I never really dated. Mm -hmm. I met my husband when I was 21. So I had some dates in high school, college, really never went on dates. So that was, I wanted, that was part of my journey of finding myself. Yeah. So who's this girl? Yeah. Who's this woman? When you guys were married before he passed, did you ever talk about you getting married or dating? Did he ever no. address that? No. It, no. He never had, he always no. thought, you know, because it's interesting, I would come home from work and I would share with John because I have widowers and widows in my practice. And I said to him, I made the observation, when women become widows, they grieve. When men become widowers, they replace. Mm -hmm. And he said, I will never replace you. I will never remarry. In fact, I will die before you. And I said, well, you're younger than I and you, you know, I take good care of you. And he says, no, I never want to bury you. And so, and I said, well, He's, and he says, I'll never remarry. And I said, well, I would never remarry. And he says, oh, no, you, you need to remarry. I go, why? I said, how, I would, I don't date. I didn't date when I met you. I, I, you know, I, it's, I can't imagine that. I said, if you want me to marry somebody or meet somebody, you send me, send them to me and you make it so obvious. So that was our agreement. 
but for you when you d- met these guys you know new guys what do you what did you look for what was what caught your attention in these guys were they similar to Angela or were they different I mean oh I don't even know <laughs> I don't <laughs> even know um I don't I don't know I think it uh, for a long time if I'm being honest I did not want a relationship mm-hmm. because I really wanted to find myself yeah. and I I didn't want a relationship but I did want to explore what you know what there is and mm-hmm. so I, I don't know that I was looking for anything in particular those times I think I've changed a lot over these last 7 years and what I I'm looking for now is different than what I was looking for then. If I was even looking for anything then, I don't know. I think, I think I'm finally at a place where um, I would, I would, uh, would like a, a more of a lifetime partner. partner. Yes. Would you ever remarry? I, 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 more important than marry would just to be find someone that I really love and want to do life with. Mm-hmm. And if marriage was made sense then that would be good and if so what's a potential candidate if any if any of their widows are listening Mm -hmm. out there and looking Mm -hmm. for a a wonderful Mm -hmm. partner wonderful mate you never know because i i have widower widow couples who get together and one of the interviews that we'll share in november is a couple widow widower in fact i have patients who the oldest couple i know widow widower couple who married she was 86 at the time of the wedding he was 91 i love that and they've been together four years very happy together very happy and so you're never too old you no. know you just hopefully you have to find the right partner but when you what, what you're looking at now so you're looking at something different so what, what what are you looking for so i i'm looking well obviously i'm looking for connection because that i think is is a th- hard thing to find but health at this age i mean i want i want someone who's healthy physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually healthy financially healthy who's comfortable in who they are mm-hmm. who is uh created a beautiful life for themselves has meaningful connection in their life and wants to really i mean we could just have when i say we people in our age group that have, you know, worked hard and have this, you know, time left in health and mm-hmm. then we can have a, a fabulous life. Would you like, travel? Would you yes, just would. do different things? To get- I would. Yeah. Yes. You want that spark. I, I would do that. You were sharing uh, how one of the things widows say, it's an old adage about widows, whoever, well, you know, one of the things they say, the reason they don't remarry, because 61% of widowers remarry and 16% of widows remarry, is widows say, I don't want to be a nurse, I don't want to be a purse. Right. In other words, I don't want to be meeting somebody who I've got to you know, take care of from the whole entire time, or, or I don't want to be a sugar mommy. Yeah. And so you want to make sure socioeconomically. So, but how do you yes. meet people nowadays? Do people introduce so, people to you? You go online? So, well, um, I have done both of those mm-hmm. things. Um, I have done both of those things. So um, not so much. I don't get. I don't meet people too much from introduction necessarily. But um, yeah, I've done. I've done both of those things. That's probably a whole separate podcast. Yeah, we have to. I think it's your memoir. I think. <laughs> I think a great. I think you really. I'm proposing <laughs> that you you write your a future New York Times bestseller. 
Diaries of a Dating Widow. I think I think that, or even a reality series. It the, can happen. The, the widows, the dating widows of Scottsdale. It, 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 <laughs> I'll have to pitch that to Netflix. It, it, it could happen, Connie, because that's like a whole separate uh, thing. But you know, at first. At first, part of me wanted to just be, I say, swooped up. Like, can someone just swoop me up and take me away and just make all this better? And, and there, you know, listen, that could have (laughs) happened. That could have happened. There's, as you say, men, oftentimes men want right into a relationship. And so there were many, you know, there was, there, that could have happened if that was what I wanted. But really, I knew I needed to get to this next place in myself and this next level to find out who this I is am. This is a new Nancy. And this is a new Nancy. It is completely new. You know, it's not really, Ang- well, Angelo's wife is there, mm-hmm. but it's a different Nancy. No, and he's like, as you mentioned part earlier, me. this part, this love that you have, you know, just how I, just how I feel about love is different. Mm-hmm. You know, like You're love, older. love is just Some this years. beautiful feeling that yeah. I carry in me, like I have it inside of me, yeah. and I have it from my my life with Angelo, and I have it with cultivating it within myself, and so my feeling about love is different. So I, I know I can love. I don't have a question with that. I think creating a partnership with somebody, I mean, at this stage of life, we all have stuff, as you yeah. say. We all have some baggage. Maybe Louis Vuitton, but it's still baggage. But it's still baggage. And that's okay. Sure. Like, that's okay. We're, it's, we all have stuff. I think it's just wanting to work it out with somebody yeah. and being Solve able to- Solve problems together. Do it together. Like, yeah. let's plan this together. I I do miss that. The partnership. I do miss that partnership. Like, let's do this together. And- um could be, I know it can be great. So, so who do you socialize with mostly nowadays? So I have my, I still have old friends Mm -hmm. and then, you know, I've made new friends and that is as widows know, or separated people. That's not an easy, easy. Have you lost a lot of friends that you shared when you and Angela were married? I'm surprised by, you know, there are a few couples that we used to be very, very close with all the time. And, and, uh, yeah, that, that that doesn't happen. You don't see them as much. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I, you know, somebody told me, one of the, John's uh, brother-in-law told me after John's sister died, he says, expect to lose half your friends. Because mm-hmm. the couples who associate you together, they, they, they'll just, you know, they'll do their own thing. They'll check on you maybe a couple of times after. But otherwise, they, they, it's awkward. Because you wind up being the odd woman out, right? You don't want to be part of a trio. You know, it's like a party of five and you're the odd person. Yeah. So you'll, but then you made new friends. Yeah. And yeah. I think, and I think that's been so empowering also. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just so many empowering things that happen along the way. And I think in turn, you develop more confidence and you develop, for me, I think I'm more compassionate than I ever have. I mean, I've worked with adolescent at risk kids for 25 years. So I, I'm, I'm a compassionate person. I'm a good listener. Um, you know, when you talk about going out on dates, I mean, I remember just like, uh, you know, a date of this gentleman, they check all the boxes on paper, you know how mm-hmm. that goes, Online, you, know, you check yeah. all the boxes or, or you like, you know, oh, they have all these great qualities and, you know, sitting there and for an hour, like an hour just listening, cause I am a good listener. I would just listen. And, you know, he got up and was like, oh, that was the best date of my ever. But he, you never spoke. <laughs> no. 
I'm glad you listened to me. <laughs> and, and, when, and, when, and when he would ask a question, it would be like, okay, I'm going to ask you this because I feel like I need to. And then I'm going to go on and tell you more about myself. So, But, but enough uh, about me. What do you think about me? And then, you know, you do a couple of those and you're like, uh, I don't care how much Chilean sea bass I'm going to eat. Yeah. I'm not going to sit through that again because <laughs> I do not want to do that. Um, makes you just want to be a widow. <laughs> it makes you just right. <laughs> but you can write your story. You really can't. But, yeah. you know, it's the search for if there's somebody out there, you know what you want. You haven't, you haven't met it yet. No. You haven't it, run into that person yet. No. And I, and I do, I am, you know, coming to this place. I think I mentioned to you earlier during lunch, you know, we've had several anniversaries that have been much easier. Seven years. This was a really hard year for me for some reason. I don't really? know. I think seven years. It's been. It was yeah. just, it was so, so. Because he's not coming back. Difficult. Right? It was really he hard. ain't coming yeah. back, sweetie. Yeah, he's not coming back. And I and I think, as you said earlier, everyone grieves in different ways. There's no right or wrong. There's no, you know, we get these time limits in our head about three years. I should be here. Four years. I should be here. All these things. And uh, I think it's important for us to really look at what we have done and what we have accomplished and what we how we have grown and how we have gotten to this point, even if all the things aren't exactly the way we thought they should be. Uh, I think that's part of being human about giving ourselves grace. And, yeah. and, 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 yeah. and, and I, and I don't want to search. Like, I don't want to search. I, I, I'm just allowing, really allowing. I'm a spiritual person and I, I'm going to allow, you know, people to come into my life yeah. and don't show up and see how that's brought, whether It'll it's with slow. a friend or whether it's with, psychic i mean whatever you never it know is. you it, never know they say that who you're meant to meet you'll meet them you go live your life mm -hmm. and they will they'll circle back you'll meet them at the time and you'll know if that is meant to be <laughs> it's almost like he'll say hey it's me <laughs> it's yeah. like you know and life is that journey but you're open i think part of it's being open and you had to meet those people for a reason even to realize i don't want a guy who talks all about himself i want him to be someone interested in what i want to say and I think you look at that, I mean, but you know, you know what you want, you know what you don't want. So that's, that's part of it. So when I look, all our widows, all our widows out there, and we have quite a few. So what advice would you give them about searching for the, making the new me happen? What really has helped you? You shared a bit, taking care of yourself and really growing. And, and I think, I think taking risks and, and being open. I think being open has really helped me because I've met a lot of people along the way. It's like, oh, I would never do that. Oh, I would never do that. I would never do that. Well, I, <laughs> then you won't. So, but I think allowing yourself to take the risk and to make mistakes and to discover from those mistakes and to just be open, I think has been so helpful in every area of my life. You know, it's not written in stone. I think you make an example of that when people say, well, you can't sell your house. You can't. No. Mm -hmm. And I think your journey becomes personal. And if you can continue to grow what you did, you find the new me faster in a lot of ways. And and, and, and I'll tell you at this age, um, I was talking to someone recently, like I've never been healthier in my life. Oh, I've yeah. I've never been healthier. Yeah. I, I, I'm just the healthiest I've ever been at 61 years old. Yeah. Which oh, you is look, she, by the way, remarkable. guys, if you're doing this on TV, she looks fabulous. It, well, it was fabulous. So I, I, that, that piece is, I, I feel so grateful for. Well, you took really care of yourself because you, you just wanted to, to be the best person you can be. And, you know, I, I talk about this journey and we're, we'll wrap it up in a few minutes, but I just, you know, listening to you, it, it gives, I think a lot of hope to people because 
you lost the love of your life, but then you didn't die. He might've left this physically, but you are still here. And not only you were a survivor, you, you, you were thriving. You're thriving from that. You went through a lot of pain and we, we all do, but we all do it in our own way. But you learn to become the best you can be. And just to be open, just to say nothing is written in stone. You know, just because they say, you, you know, no, no drastic changes. Really? You're telling me that? I have the most drastic change of my life when he died. And you're telling me I can't do any drastic changes? Come on. That's not working for me. And you got to ask yourself as a widow, what's going to work for me? And because so long we say it's weak. You know, and you have to listen to yourself. You know, what's the sounding board? And even if, it, you know, if John were here, this is what he would tell me. And I, I talk to him all the time. I say, sweetheart, what would you want me to do? Tell me what to do and, and make it so that you'd be very proud of me that I got through this the way you want me to do it. You know? And, and, and Connie, it is about learning to trust ourselves. That's a, I think that's a huge lesson is to really learn how to trust ourselves. You know, and maybe that's the essence of we to me. Me is about trusting yourself. Because we've really asked our husbands to be our buffer, our our security. And then when they're gone, we, we don't think we have it, but it's within us. So so we're going to say goodbye right now temporarily. I'm going to ask Nancy to come back in the future because she's got some interesting stories and lessons to share on Widow's Walk. And I wish all of you who are suffering out there to find peace and to find joy and to be open to love and opportunity and all the ways to grow. So thanks for listening in this month's Widow's Walk, and we'll talk with you next month. Take care, and God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Widow's Walk with Dr. Connie Mariano. We hope you've gained some peace and maybe even a glimmer of hope as you continue to move forward in your life. Until we talk again, have a beautiful day.